Transcending the Veil. So Nils, today we are going to cover a topic that is very close uh, to your heart. Something that I would really love to know more about. And it's about ETs and UFOs and ancient cultures. And uh, also, well, we need to, to say that it is what we call apparent um, human history that involves uh, ancient civilizations, including ETs. And apparent for me means that we're not sure that, that this uh, is actually the case, but we can see that people like uh, Elena Danan, uh, Dr. Michael Sala, uh, Dr. Stephen Greer uh, and David Wilcock, Corey Good, Dol Dolores Cannon all speak of the same connection to these ETs. And uh, based on their testimonies and those people that they are in contact with, that, uh, well, like Elena, she's a contactee as well, as, as far as I understand. So she has a connection there uh, spiritually and, and uh, physically as well. So she's able to provide these really um, mesmerizing descriptions of her encounters. So, Nils, why is this topic so close to your heart? Why, why is it so important to you? Right. For me, well, it, it, well, first of all, I think the credit goes out to Elena Danan and her recent books, right? So the topic we are going to cover today is mainly from her book The Cedars, which is currently not the latest book, but yeah, one of the latest books. So why is it close to my heart uh, and why do I want to talk about it? There are two reasons. Um, we, we covered the topic of trying to connect spirituality to the ET phenomenon. And after that, we had a bit of a feedback of, right, hang on, why didn't you cover the recent sort of 80 years? There's so much going on on, on that topic. Um, and I think, yeah, that's a fair statement. And I'd like to cover that as well, because it's very complex. But before we dive into the recent 80 years, we really need to cover the time before that. Because that all leads up to what is happening now. Um, why do I want to cover this, let's say, a very... Well, it's a topic of huge debate, right? Um, I think pe there are people that can say, right, this is just uh, out of this world. It can't be true. But yet, when we go through this, and I say apparent history of humanity, because for me, I don't have any evidence that this is actually true. But as you already mentioned, Elena Danan, she is a contactee and she has received those informations from the entities where she's in contact with in order to distribute that knowledge um, on on this earth. And everything she writes has been either in parts corroborated or proven by other ancient texts or other people that do research in that field. They say, oh yeah, that's an interesting, let's say, perspective on the topic. And yeah, we have... Uh, let's say, evidence that this is true. Um, and when I read the summary of that apparent history of humanity, it links to a lot of ancient texts. And when I talk about it to other people that, let's say, are not into this ET topic, but um, are interested in ancient civilizations, and there is a lot of talk, we, we covered this before, of right, um, sort of the the gods coming from the heaven, right? We, we have a lot of fairy tales. We have a lot of um, talks about legends and so on. And all of these topics are covered in this description of the history of humanity. And that's what it makes it so interesting to me because all of a sudden, all of these legends, stories, um, descriptions and scriptures from ancient civilizations they all now make sense and are all interconnected. And that is what I find so fascinating about this topic. So for me, it is more like, well, let, let's go through that apparent history and put it out there. 
And I, I really would like to encourage everyone who, who is sort of with a glimpse interested in that topic, go out and, and buy that book offer and, and read it yourself. Um, but to, to, let's say, cover this topic on this podcast, put it out there and see for other people that, right, maybe if, you know, that they can see alignments with readings they have done on similar topics. And that is what is so fascinating to me. And it, if we manage to cover all of that, all of the last, was it 200, uh, was it million years, essentially, um, that would be a very nice backdrop and intro to cover the recent 80 years if we ever go into that complex topic. So okay. that, that is my approach to it, why I'd like to cover it. So in terms of <clears throat> everyday life, let's say I talk to my neighbor about this, there might not be a huge interest in knowing uh, what implications this knowledge has on their everyday life because most people are probably aware of the UFO phenomena, they've heard of it, but more as something that is not related to them at all. So. What I want to do uh, with you today is to explore how this actually impacts uh, humanity and humanity in a broad sense, like political, financial, um, spiritual, but also what, it, the, what does this mean for the spiritual seeker out there? Very good. Very good. And if you don't mind, I probably would like to ask you that question to you once we've covered the history because that would be very interesting because you you haven't read that book you you haven't i i've i told you bits and pieces but you haven't heard all of it so it would be very interesting to understand how do you feel after hearing that story so let, let's leave that question for later if you don't mind yes cool right shall we shall we actually start with that yes <laughs> topic right oh, so essentially where where we want to start is really 200 million years BC before Christ. Okay, so just for general reference, it is the time when we talk about the tectonic plates being more together. Okay, it's, time, it's a time that is referred to as Pangaea, where we have this huge massive continent on, on this earth. And that was the time when we had dinosaurs on this planet. And that was the time when a race, a reptilian race, discovered this planet. Okay, they, they're called the Nagar and they are from the Alpha Draconi system. Um, and they, they discovered this planet flourishing and they started to terraform this planet. They, they could survive here, but they, let's say, adopted this planet even more to their needs, essentially. So essentially back then that there were reptilian colonies living on, on Earth and also dinosaurs. OK, when you say reptilian, like I imagine reptil, uh, reptilian like lizards, like four legged. Yeah. So yeah. What, what is a right? What's the story here? Yeah. When when, when we talk about extraterrestrials we mainly talk about bipedal beings so so entities that walk on two legs however these entities have different origins right they're they're, they're all humanoid that that we're going to cover today there are other types as well but we're only going to cover humanoid entities that visited the planet earth and some are more of the reptilian type some are more of the gray type uh, and some are more of the let's say the type that looked like us okay so very human like so when i say reptilian and dinosaurs i talk about bipedal uh, reptilian entities okay but yes it, it was a huge sort of um a time when there were a lot of dinosaurs, reptilians, different types of reptilians that even originated on Earth, but also these bipedal um, Nagar 
that that came here and then built colonies. So they actually lived, actually lived in sort of well, I wouldn't say harmony, but at the same time as we talk about the dinosaurs that lived on Earth. Okay, so if if we then what was interesting when we cover this entire history of, of this planet Earth and humanity is that we discover there are so many interactions with other extraterrestrials. And that is very quickly happening a bit later. Is about uh, 65 million years ago is when the so-called Patal visited planet Earth or discovered planet Earth, right? It, it was a collective of 24. And... They, they discover this planet and actually preserved the entire DNA that was present on Earth of all the flora and fauna, animals and so on. Uh, they also discovered the great reptiles as we refer them to dinosaurs and also the now present um, Nagar. And they removed the big reptiles, including the dinosaurs, right? They, they physically removed them. Um, a few Nagar survived, but they went underground. Okay. They started to seed life on this planet. And that is a very interesting process. They, they modified DNA of an indigenous primate that we have on this planet. And no, it is not what science believes as the ape where we come from. It is actually a different animal. But they injected DNA in that, into that lineage of that animal. And over a very long period of time, different types of DNA strand. So we ended up in a situation where we have an indigenous animal that over millions of years was adopted with other DNA strands of other extraterrestrial races uh, in order to build a new life form. Okay, so essentially for them, Earth was, for lack of a better word, a petri dish, right? A, a DNA experiment. Okay. Well, they they obviously were quite advanced and they had a very well good understanding how life develops. They they live very long, so for them, what we consider a long time is short. Um, so they, they adopted the planet Earth as well. They, they changed the etheric spare, uh, spear, uh, sphere around the Earth. They upgraded it essentially so that we have different densities from inner Earth until the outer layers. And that we have an environment or we can refer to it as a matrix of this planet that can inhabit souls. Okay, So they, they essentially built a world that now has the ability for consciousness to develop. And consciousness essentially starts from their perspective with a soul that starts with a consciousness of a stone, moves into vegetables, into animals, and finally into humans. And then humans go through that consciousness evolution through different stages. So they, they started this on, on planet Earth, essentially. Then sort of millions of years passed. Um, they continuously sort of monitored what is happening on Earth and injected a few more, let's say, DNA strands. They stabilized a bit the layers around the Earth. Um, and they also increased the geomagnetic field of Earth. It was very interesting because that was all orchestrated from outside. Then we, we come to a time which is 372 BC. And that is the first time when the so-called Anunnaki arrived on Terra. Anunnaki is probably a word that is well known in, in the field when people talk about ETs or ancient civilization. But that is the time when they arrived on planet Earth. So what are the Anunnaki? They are actually a hybrid race of Orion Greys and the Tish Kera from uh, Sirius B. They arrived very heavily armed uh, in the area of the Arabian Peninsula in order with the intention to mine gold. Gold is something they don't get everywhere, but on planet Earth it was available. And obviously they discovered these indigenous human primates, essentially, right? And for them, the humans were essentially workforce. Um, 
I said they arrived heavily armed. They actually arrived with a huge mothership, which essentially was a sphere. It was spherical. So it sometimes is referred to as Nibiru, but this is actually not correct. It is called Nibu-Uru. So there is a bit of confusion in, in ancient texts. And obviously when they saw the primates, the human primates, they started experimenting with them, right? They started hybridization programs. And they had a chief geneticist on board, and he actually experimented quite a lot with the humans. Um, he, he went so far that he actually put 12 strands of DNA into, into those humans. Um, he advanced them so much that humans were able to actually um, develop very high consciousness levels. It, it wasn't back then, but he, he sort of made the bodies ready in order for the evolution of consciousness to a very high level. Can I ask who, what is his name? <clears throat> and... Yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. So the name of the head geneticist is actually called Ia or Enki. And that is a name you stumble across in other texts as well. So Enki is that person who actually has generated that, let's say, human body, which is with a huge potential, but at that stage with a very primitive consciousness. Okay. So essentially for, for the head of operation, and his name was Enlil, this was a perfect workforce, right? He now had a workforce of a highly advanced um, bodies, but with a very primitive consciousness. So they were very obedient, okay? But then Anki discovered, right, he, he could even raise the etheric frequencies and vibrations of, of that human being so the consciousness could naturally evolve and increase. So that was the point in time when Anki put his own DNA into his human experiment. And that is when he created Adam in his laboratory, which is a biosphere called Eden. Unfortunately, Anlil, the, the leader of that entire operation to mine gold and so on, was absolutely not happy because that means that his obedient workforce is now able to increase consciousness over time and obviously that could lead to not having a workforce anymore. So what he started now is to eradicate these humans with that high potential through natural disasters. So this um, geneticist Enki um, he injected, as far as I understand what you're saying, he um, used some of his DNA, implanted it in a, in a new life form uh, in this Eden sphere where Adam was created. What is the lifespan of Enki? Is he immortal? Is it... Um, do you know, because I have heard from Elena's... Uh, videos that Enki um, is represented in myths and legends in what we call recent times as well, yeah. like in ancient uh, Egypt and other myths. So what, what is the lifespan of, of, of Enki? I'm not sure if it was if he is actually immortal or if it is just a very long lifespan that we just cannot comprehend. So, but it is mentioned in the books because apparently he is currently alive and he, well, we, we cover that later. So what's done interesting, what happened around 300,000 BC is that somewhere else in the galaxy, uh, there was a huge war going on. And that essentially caused a dissemination of an entire star system. And after that, there was a sort of intergalactic treaty implemented of non-interference. Okay, it's a non-interference treaty. And since the Anunnaki were currently in control of planet Earth, they were under that treaty in control of planet Earth. Okay, so that was now established. The kings, essentially kings were at the time the Anunnaki himself. They, 
they were ruling over civilizations on planet Earth and they were being the kings of these uh, civilizations. The interesting bit, because that is now covered in ancient texts, is those kings, they lived for, well, a few thousand years. So we have text covering kings that lived 20,000 years and those were actually Anunnaki. Is there any, when you say kings, um, I'm thinking about uh, bloodlines, and is there any correlation between these uh, royal bloodlines that we are aware of today and the uh, Anunnaki kings that you speak of? Um, well, let's say this is a topic, yes. But I wouldn't say directly that those Anunnaki kings are the bloodlines we're talking about today. But yes, uh, what is and also covered in her books from Elena Danan is we have definitely bloodlines on planet Earth that are in different positions on planet Earth and also have different either psychic or non-psychic abilities, which was carried through the bloodlines essentially and coming from different hybridizations through different extraterrestrials on planet Earth to make it very, yeah, to sum that up. 100,000 BC, the so-called Sikar Empire, which is a reptilian race, or let's say, well, dif different reptilian races in that empire, they, they came to planet Earth uh, and essentially started um, a time of conflict uh, territorial conflicts, chaos. Some of the, let's say, different factions or, or entities went, that was the time when they went into inner earth. Inner earth meaning now below the earth's surface, because we live on earth's surface, but there are entities living below the surface. So it started when they really built those tunnels and lived in caverns and so on. That was mainly mainly happening sort of in, in Europe and America and Asia, as we know today. But this is the area where they went under Earth. So essentially that that time, the Nibiria Greys, who were still present on planet Earth, and the Sikar Empire, were in, there was a war between them. Uh, because it was observed from the outside that there was so much going on on planet Earth that the Galactic Federation of Worlds which at that time was a very, very young federation, interfered. Uh, unfortunately, because uh, the Sikar and Nibiru are very good in their war techniques and with their technology in that field, so that there were a lot of losses and so on. And, and the Galactic Federation of Worlds, they needed to withdraw. However, it led to the implementation of... Um, of universal cosmic laws okay because they now understood right we, we cannot deal with this universe anymore with where we have so much chaos when we discover new planets and and so on so they implemented laws sort of universal cosmic laws and essentially w without going through them because they have been refined over over the years or millennia um, essentially they were in order to preserve life and to preserve free will and I think the last part is the most important part to preserve free will of entities. Then about 88,000 BC, uh, the Sikar um, essentially ransacked the man system in the Lyra zone. So it's on, on a totally different area in the galaxy. But due to that happening, the survivors of that system flat they flat in arcs essentially space arcs with dna from their system and a few thousand years later they arrived in sol so in our solar system and they settled on at that time the fifth planet between mars and jupiter it was called maldek okay and that is where they discovered also an entity living there and it's called the yeti the Yeti we know on Earth, but this is where it was discovered. They also then later spread to Earth and Mars and Venus. 
specifically on Earth, they they came to what we now know India as India and the Gobi Desert. But when they arrived in India, um, there was a war that ignited between those new settlers and the Nagar that lived on an Antarctica. And they developed weapons that were so strong that essentially they managed to push Earth off its own axis slightly. That's why the Earth axis is now wobbling slightly when it moves throughout space. And that is because of that war. Can I ask a question here? Because <clears throat> one thing that a uh, question that comes to mind, like Enki created um, the human race in form of Adam in, in, in this biolab called Eden. Now, if I was such a person that know how to manipulate DNA and create life form, I wouldn't stop with only one experiment. Like, wouldn't it be, uh, well, if there's security in numbers and he wanted to seed uh, planet Terra with intelligent life form and Enki being not from this planet, wouldn't it be um, reasonable to think that he has created or this entity has created other experiments elsewhere. Is there any uh, stories about that? Yes, every well, yeah, every now and again is mentioned that they are essentially seeding life on other planets as well. And I think later on in history, it is even mentioned that they're taking DNA from the humans because the humans have now evolved into physical entities that are so advanced in their capabilities their physical capabilities or uh, potential let's say that so they took dna from humans in order to seed life on other planets yes and we are not the only experiment good um throughout history we, we all well are not going to cover all of the kings of the anunnaki kingdoms um, but every few thousand years the kings change but um, if people want to look into that there is a specific kings list available as well where all of the real names are covered and the time periods where they have roamed the, the area um, around 73,000 BC there was the Iban from Betelgeuse system visiting earth so there's a new entity coming to earth it's interesting throughout time there's so many different races visiting earth and coming here and building colonies so what we need to think about is that we have humans that are covering the earth and then we have different areas on planet earth where we have different extraterrestrials ruling over those primate human beings okay so would you would you at this stage call uh, humans as a slave race I wouldn't, well, for them, maybe, I wouldn't say slaves. Uh, um, I get more the feeling that they were primitive human beings with a, well, only little developed consciousness. All right. So those are essentially those, uh, yeah, that's how I would call that. What's interesting in, in around 72,000 BC is when a war on Maldek, that fifth planet between uh, Mars and Jupiter ignited and the well the, the people that fled there from the man system they fled Maldek right because that war was getting too intense and they took some Yeti with them that they have discovered on Maldek and that is how the Yeti came to planet Earth because when they fled Maldek they they came to Earth Mars and Venus. The essentially the war was so big that the Galactic Federation was involved, even the Intergalactic Confederation, which is an even bigger organization, spreading even further, with the Mitra, Nibu, Shikar, Alliance of Six, and so on. So it was a huge essentially it ended into a huge nuclear disaster on Maldek where that planet blew up, okay? 
and that is how the fifth planet was destroyed in our solar system. That, that is why we don't have an atmosphere on Mars anymore because of that huge explosion. The atmosphere of Mars close by was sort of, let's say, moved away. Um, and we even see the, the um, Marinias uh, Valley on Mars is a result from that huge explosion. So it was interesting, I said that um, a few refugees arrived on Earth um, and also in, in on Venus, where obviously it always results in a bit of uh, friction with the local inhabitants. Specifically on Earth, they settled in the Pacific Ocean, which is referred to as Mu or Lemuria. And a Lemuria is probably something that people will recognize again. If we move a bit further, because it becomes uh, interesting for later, is that in 50,000 BC, the Nibu sort of established a secret outpost in the Himalayas and also on an asteroid belt, uh, which uh, one asteroid is called Ceres. And that is where they now establish a secret outpost in, in our solar system. Essentially, because now we have so many races on planet Earth, it is actually a period of war, right? Um, of many sort of conquer inner Earth uh, and conflicts on the surface of, well, essentially around what we call now Europa uh, or Europe. Um, and when we talk about conflicts, it is the time that we are referring to as the time of legends, right? It is the time when we had dragons, elves and fairies on, on this planet. But due to the wars, they moved away from the surface into inner Earth, below Earth, okay? And that is what we hear in all of those ancient stories, essentially. I think an interesting time again is around um, 39,000 BC. And that is now if we look into the Nile Valley is when we started to see tribes forming. And at the time we, we had an Anunnaki prince there, Ea or Enki, which was the leader at the time in this area. Um, however, Enki was actually living on his spacecraft, right? And he always now and again came down to planet Earth um, uh, yeah, essentially how they see planet Earth is sort of a chessboard for them, okay? They live in their spaceships and they come down um, and so on. So it, it is the time that we refer to as Septepi or even the, what is the, the dynasty of Turin Papyrus. Um, I think that might be something that people in in e ancient Egypt might uh, know. And it's interesting that those sort of gods that were rulers or referred to the god rulers, they, they really lived for 20,000 years. Um, that is interesting. Um, a bit few few thousand years later, 36,000 BC is actually the time when the great Sphinx of Gizeh was created. Essentially, these um, monuments, they served as sort of like, like, you know, we put a flag on the moon. <laughs> and that is how they did it, essentially, right through huge monuments. Um, in 35,000 BC, the Hyperborean civilization um, came to planet Earth uh, in Atlantia and North Europe. Um, essentially, until now, if we jump forward in time, 14,000 BC, the colonies in the Atlantic islands essentially formed Atlantis. Okay. But also through their coming to Earth in Europe, they actually are the reason for what we refer to as the Celtics. So the blood and the red hair in Ireland is coming because, or we have it on Earth because of the Hyperborean civilization coming to planet Earth. Oh. 
So I, I already just mentioned that, that the formation of Atlantis started, right? Uh, in Atlantis, there was a contingent of the intergalactic confederation placed by the Altens that represented that. Um, Enki was the ruler at the time, um, and he will then retired, and that officially led towards the official foundation of Atlantis. According to what you're saying here, uh, what we know as our current physical form as humans is a mix of many different E.G. races, correct? Yeah. And uh, it seems that, or what um, Elena's story suggests is there's a, a battle going on uh, and has been going on for ages that we as humans are not aware of. Yeah. So... I, I'm curious. You're gonna probably gonna uh, talk about this uh, in a moment, but I believe that if we're looking for evidence on this, we can look at the Sumerian tablets. Uh, probably you're gonna mention that soon um, in your story, but but please go on. I just wanted to comment uh, on this. Yeah. No, it's quite correct what you mentioned there. It's like as soon as we move into let's say more recent history. There we actually have texts written about these events, right? If we go like when we start with the human seeding, as probably there were no texts available. Right, we are now sort of two hundred, uh, no, twenty five thousand BC. It is roughly the starting of what is referred to as the Ice Age. Okay, so that is sort of the area that we're moving into. Uh, 25,000 BC was the time when there was a colony from Alpha Centauri or the Pleiadians settling in the Atlantean continent. They were welcomed by the Altain, um, which was the, con um, the custodian from the Intergalactic Confederation that held the outpost there. Um, <clears throat> It was a time when the, the temperatures globally dropped uh, and sort of the development of multicultural civilization started in, uh, in Atlantis with different off-world colonies in, well, intermixing with the local population. Uh, in Atlantis, they had very strict rules uh, and that was in order to protect the technology that was available there and also a stargate that was present there or probably well, still is present in that area because um, due to that stargate it was a connection to different planets okay and Atlantis at the time essentially was an intergalactic commercial outpost okay so there was a lot of trade going on in that area then around 15,000 BC, the Sikar reptilian empire returned once again, uh, contacting the Nagar that sort of a few lived still underground. And they said, right now we want the monopoly of resources of terror. And we want to keep the consciousness of humans at, at that time, an animal level. Okay. This was counteracted by all of the other extraterrestrials in the colonies living on Earth by constantly working on developing the human consciousness. So they still managed sort of the, to keep the Sikar at bay. Um, but okay. The, the Anunnaki colony of Kemet, um, they withdrew in that area. So it is the area that we currently referred to as Egypt and they were leaving behind a a now hybrid dynasty right before then we had a lot of Anunnaki kings and rulers in that area and then later on they passed it down to their let's say hybrid um, classes and now they left the hybrid classes there for them to as the new kings and the Anunnaki actually left in uh, 14,000 BC, the, the Hyperbormian civilization 
which I mentioned before that came to Europe, they sort of declined and the, the let's say the last settlers, they, they moved over to Atlantis. Uh, at that point in time, the, the elders in Atlantis, they have evolved quite a lot to a very high consciousness and wisdom. That was interesting to mention. And around, and around 10,700 BC, which is now when we talk about the Ice Age, is the, the ending of the Ice Age, right? It is when global temperatures started to rise again and the ice sheets started to melt. Uh, the elders, they understood this very well, what it means for the future of Atlantis. And they actually left and established offshoots in the galaxy in order to preserve the heritage. That was the time when they started building so-called halls of records, essentially underground, where they buried knowledge and where the Altains or the Patal, they preserved technology. And that is very interesting to, manage, uh, to mention. There's technology preserved on planet Earth that is to this day 20,000 years more advanced than our current technology, even though it was placed there 12,700 years ago from now. And, and what kind of technology are we talking about? Um, it's not mentioned that much. It's just that it is very much advanced than what we can comprehend right now. So from now reading about those ET races and technologies, my understanding it is it is probably a sentient technology that is a combination of what we refer to as probably physical technology in collaboration with, um, let's say, intelligence. So it's something we, we probably don't have available in, 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 the, yeah, in any kind of form. Um, yeah, as I mentioned, that, that was the time when the elders sort of realized what was going to happen with the area of Atlantis and they started to preserve that technology and that knowledge there, right? And that is when the classes separated, right? They, they had a lower class there, which were now left there to rule. And they were now going into a very materialistic type of living, right? Because the elders were very spiritual, but since they left, so it was more materialistic lifestyle there. Um, and it started to divide itself, these groups down there. And um, a few refugees from Altan, a group of refugees, um, they moved to the, the Kemet society, which is the pre-Egypt society. Uh, and used underground tunnels under Gizeh to archive technology there, um, which was meant to be released later. It's not said when, but they say later, when humanity is at a consciousness level to comprehend what is actually available, available there. Um, yeah, a few hundred years later, essentially, gradually, the, the sea levels, they were rising. Um, and tectonic, uh, the tectonic plates started to shift. And that was the time when Atlantis started to slowly go underwater. We obviously have an account of that by Plato, who said that Atlantis um, fell into water within one day. Apparently, this is not entirely true because Atlantis progressively slowly went into underwater. So it was a very long, long, slow process. However, the, the ending of Atlantis was very brutal. It was um, a conflict and a war with the Sikar Empire. And it was a time when they crashed an artificial meteor onto that place. So it is a very, very brutal ending, essentially. But all of that technology was saved in the halls of records and the space arcs that were buried underground. And they were all locked with, uh, let's say, frequency barriers. So from then until today, the Sikar always tried to access these halls of records.
because they wanted to access the technology, but they never succeeded because of the frequency barriers. Um, so essentially the Atlanteans were very weakened and they essentially were um, exterminated through these horrendous wars that, down there. And that what they are now referring to is the starting point of the spiritual darkness on planet Earth until today. Okay, because that that was a point on planet Earth where we had very advanced civilizations and very spiritually advanced civilization, but they left planet Earth and essentially it was all destroyed. Technology was preserved, which is still present on Earth, but it is shielded and will become available later once the consciousness of humanity has risen to a level where we can cope with this. So it was then now a time of chaos on planet Earth where the Sikar took total advantage of that situation. Um, one interesting fact about those halls of records are is not everyone can enter them, okay? Because I already mentioned there's a frequency barrier. You need to have a very particular DNA which is present in, in the population of humanity and of a certain frequency and then you can naturally enter those areas, otherwise you cannot enter. Uh, this is now also corroborated because by, uh, well, let's say whistleblowers out of the active army forces that currently have operations at these halls of records and not all people can enter. When they arrive with the military, only selected people can actually enter. That's quite interesting. So that's actually been a, a proven point by now. Uh, this this time, essentially, we, we know that in our consciousness as the Great Flood. Okay, the Great Flood refers to that time when Atlantis uh, went underwater and all of, all of those wars resulted in a Great Flood. So, so we have written text from Mesopotamia that, that write about this, but we have it present in many other um, writings as well. Um, in during that great flood, um, obviously due to the melting of the ice uh, ice sheets, the Tigris and Euphrates Valley they were basically were flooded, and Anki, who obviously observed from a distance, helped a group of humans from his ship in the orbit, and. What's interesting in, in ancient um, stories is that we talk about Noah, okay? Um, and we talk about a god, Yahweh, who worked together with Noah, but god Yahweh was actually Enki, okay? And Noah was actually of the lineage of Adam, okay? So that is actually a lineage he preserved that he created himself originally. Um, in obviously in the stories we we always talk about Noah on the ark um, taking a lot of animals and so on. I think that is the story that everyone knows. But the apparent reality is that Enki had preserved everything on Earth in terms of DNA on his space space ark. Right? He took a few humans with Noah. And obviously the humans needed to survive, so they took a bit of livestock as well. They took a few animals to survive. Um, but the essential saving was through DNA. So what you're saying is, just to be funny a little bit, is that back then we were eating meat as well. <laughs> yes, of course. So we weren't vegetarian? Absolutely not, no. All right. Um, and Lil, um, he, he discovered this and obviously a few humans were still left on this planet and he essentially hunted down all of the survivors because what he wanted to do is he wanted to destroy the human race that had this huge potential because by now the humans were activated in order to receive souls from other advanced civilizations. Enlil is now roaming sort of planet Earth and he is now starting to build new settlements in the 
Euphrates and Tigris Valley. Um, the Mesopotamian um, civilization so experienced a new renaissance or renaissance. Uh, this is all recorded in uh, Hebrew texts or scriptures where they talk about the sort of exchange with extraterrestrial entities and a god called Jahweh or Jehovah. Um, at that time, the, the starting Mesopotamian area spread over to Egypt and all of that is covered in the Book of Enoch, which is probably the best record of what is happening during that time. Um, and then a bit later, the second arrival of, let's say, another Anunnaki um, incoming, um, they started a hybridization programs, which resulted in what is referred to the giants. So essentially humanoid beings that were essentially eight feet tall. And there is now record that they existed on planet Earth. And that is the story why. Um, the Anunnaki obviously left the kingship to hybrids, what, between hybrids between them and humans. Um, and all of that is account, well, we, we see the accounts in Mesopotamian Sumerian texts, essentially, that um, have records of all of these happenings. So, so what we can see is just to recollect a little bit here or um, summarize that these um, beings, non-planetary beings, beings has affected our culture a lot. Well, first of all, they are, uh, they have seeded us essentially, but this, this is the story, right? Yeah, yeah. And we can see that cultures like Egyptian culture, um, that I know best at least as um, the pharaohs and the, the pyramids and, and the myths around that, uh, that has been affected by these uh, extraterrestrial beings, I believe. So we are, our culture is already um, affected or is based on, on this um, belief that we didn't originate here. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, it, if we quickly gonna sort of come to an end with all of that history, sort of 4,800 BC, the Sikar Empire wanted to totally, totally control planet Earth again, right? The, a few thousand years later, due to war, the Anunnaki, which were referred to as gods on Earth, uh, left. They, the interesting bit, when they left, they taught writing to the colonies in order for them, which was what we now refer to as Egypt and Sumeria, for them to produce a record of what happened during that time. And that is the reason why we see writing, ancient writings, um, of scriptures of what happened at the time. Just just to reiterate on that one. So writing means like we have the Sumerians tablets mm, that are yeah. essentially clay tablets. Exactly, where, yes, yeah. And then the hieroglyphs in, in Egypt and the depictions in the pyramids and all that. Exactly, that is what I'm referring to okay. precisely, yeah. And then a few hundred years later, essentially, the, the Sikar Empire had total control over over planet earth right and that is then 3700 bc and until now which is now 5700 years is essentially the time of reptilian dominance on planet earth um, not going to go much into deep detail there but essentially they they have the the way they operate is they prefer to live in sort of more dim and temperature stable places so essentially they moved below earth um, and they had a, have apparently a huge network of tunnels where, where they operate and live and they establish sort of a, a very similar hierarchy as they operate on the surface of of the planet and they 
let the rulers believe that they are in control, but in fact they are not at all. And they control sort of the media, the ethics, the, um, religion, uh, they, they cause wars, drug trade and so on. And that is just a mechanism of their control in order to control the, the population on, on, on the surface. Um, at, at what point do you actually talk about the good guys? At what point? Yeah, very good point. Uh, it is actually when, well, we can still cover that around 2500 BC is when the Great Pyramid was created, right? Um, but it was not created by humans. It was actually created by extraterrestrials. Um, and what's also interesting is when we talk about the, the kings in that area, we, we, they have names such as Scorpion King or Serpent King. Okay, so it already alludes to the fact that they are not only humans; they're actually hybrids. Okay. When I talk, when do I talk about the good guys? Uh, I mentioned that in the past, due to many wars, not only on Terra but also in other places in this galaxy, is they started to establish. Um, galactic war, uh, laws essentially right that that um, preserve free will and so on in now if we move a few thousand years further into the future it is the year 1940 okay that is now very close to our present time very recent yeah very recent 1940 is when the nebu returned okay and just to put and just to put this in context a little bit yeah because 1940 is when my parents were born yeah so that this is the context we need to, to exactly show. yeah and you were asking when are the good guys there right Let, let's cover a few more years the nabu returned and in 1955 that was during the Eisenhower administration in the US. The Naboo went to, into contract, not with Eisenhower himself, but with a group in the US called the MJ-12, the Majestic 12. And they signed a contract together. Essentially, the contract was for, for the Naboo to conduct DNA experiments and to abduct humans in order to do those experiments. And as a trade, humans would receive advanced technology. And that is essentially the contract that was signed. That is as um, an approach the Naboo always do, apparently on, on very uh, on, on all of the other planets as well. Uh, they sign this contract and through that they have the free will of the living entities on that planet. But they don't adhere to that contract because they never deliver the technology. But they start to start those DNA experiments. They, they start building bases underground because it is now agreed in the contract. And they slowly, slowly move into positions to control humans can, can i can i can i stop you a little bit because yeah. mj12 to my understanding was uh, established in the u.s yeah so knowing that we have this black and white scenario with the cold war and everything uh, in you know, in the 60s at least we have russia as well or the ussr at that time um, we know nothing about the research that has been going on over there. So we only have like one-sided uh, information about this uh, treaty or uh, contract, right? Yeah. Um, I would say the past 80 years are very complex, okay? And we now covered more than one hour on <laughs> the, the prehistoric topics. And we could cover an even longer time if we only talk about the recent 80 years. We, we have knowledge of what the different 
um, let's say governments perceive of, the, of this situation and I think we can co cover that in a new episode but I think we needed to cover all of that backdrop uh, in order to pave the path in order to cover the recent 80 years. Mm -hmm.